Hey everybody, welcome back to Phantom Power Business Hour. This is episode three, and this is a value for value podcast. You guys know what value for value is, right? That's where you, the listener, can send little tiny pieces of Bitcoin directly to the podcast host, to the artists that you hear, to the guests that you hear on these shows. That is the beauty of these podcasting 2.0 apps like Podverse, Podfans, CurioCaster, Fountain, etc. It enables that exchange of value between the listener and the host or the listener and the artist that you do not get in the regular boring Spotify world or in the regular uh, Apple podcast world. That is the beauty of value for value. That is the beauty of the podcasting 2.0 apps, the podcasting 2.0 index, which you should research, all that fun stuff. We're going to keep preaching the gospel of value for value. On today's show, we're going to get our hands all nerdy. We're going to dive into RSS and why it's important to the podcasting 2.0 index, why it's important to podcasting, period why it's important for Bitcoin, why it's important for musicians. Uh, I get a lot of questions from musicians about RSS, and I thought you guys should know about it. Uh, We'll do a separate show about Noster as well coming up. Uh, We touch on it a little bit here, uh, but since so many of these music broadcasts and these podcasts are living uh, and starting up in the RSS world, I figured let's get some smart dudes in here who know a hell of a lot more about it than I do and have them explain it to us. So that's what we're gonna do. We got two great guests lined up. I will scroll the music down in the background and I will shut up. Here we go. This is a great conversation. Hope you enjoy it. All right, welcome back. Thank you to the fabulous listeners who are joining us here on the Phantom Power Business Hour. Um, As you heard in the intro, I am going to let my guests uh, introduce themselves as we talk about RSS. So let's uh, let's start with uh, the gentleman in London, sir. You have the floor. Give us your name and a little bit of your background. I've just lost the signal at the worst possible time. Uh, but yes, let me introduce myself if that's what you asked. Uh, all right, so I am Dovidas. Uh, I'm the founder of RSS Blue, which is a podcast hosting company, which might sound weird, like why am I even on your show if the things we're going to talk about are music. But one of the things I want to deal with RSS Blue is to bring the open standards of podcasting and things like RSS to music. Uh, and I hope that's something we can discuss today. Cool. All right. Chicago, you have the floor. Who are you, sir? Hey, I'm Mitch Downey, and I am the co-founder of Podverse, and we make a open source a podcast app. However, it is any kind of audio content, not just podcasts. Um, and I've been, uh, it, it's supported on iOS, Android, web, and F-Droid. And I've been working on it like eight years and I'm a software developer. Damn. All right. So both of my guests are far too, not, far too modest. So Davidas in London has a PhD in uh, elect, uh, electronic engineering and, and you got your bachelor's in engineering. Is that correct? That's and, correct. And you are a research fellow at University College of London. Is that correct? That's right. I research the cybersecurity of uh, machine learning systems. 
Okay, so you're way too smart for me. Mm. And then Mitch, uh, M Mitch has his undergrad in um, philosophy, wouldn't it? From the uh, University of Illinois, Fighting Illini? Yeah, U of I, great okay. school. Um, not the most useful degree in a <laughs> capitalist market, but um, <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed my time there. And uh, uh, it, it wasn't until my late 20s that I got into programming, actually, after being tired of being unemployed. Yeah, I feel it. Well, and then you got your master's in instructional technology from Northern Illinois, which is which is a good school. Um, yeah. Okay. So my guests are far too modest. They don't <laughs> like to talk about how how smart they are. Fair enough. All right. So, fellas, let's David uh, Plant. Let me start with you. Just like you know, if if we're trying to explain uh, RSS to uh, dumb bass players out there, myself included. Um, how do we explain what RSS is? And give me some basic examples. And then, Mitch, I'll give you the same question, too. Like, what is RSS? Give us some basic examples of how it's been a part of our lives for 25 years. Davidas. Sure. I think even a more basic question is, what is a podcast? Because that is so closely related to what we've been using RSS for. And, you know, when you ask people, what is a podcast? Most people kind of visualize uh, a few people talking to microphones. Maybe there's a video component to it. Uh, but that's kind of difficult to define what exactly is that. Because if you just say it's just a few people talking to microphones, you know, you could say that the Tonight Show with uh, Johnny Carson was also a podcast. But when you think about it, it probably wasn't. So is it maybe the internet? that is the crucial component in podcasting, uh, that maybe is closer to the truth. But again, if you look at someone like Howard Stern, he might put his show to Sirius XM, but just because it's online doesn't necessarily mean that the Howard Stern show is a podcast. And I guess mm. the most important component of podcasting is the open nature of distribution of audio or any kind of media. So podcasting emerged in the early 2000s when people like Adam Curry essentially came up with a way to distribute content in an open way. And this way was called RSS, short for really simple syndication. The way this works, essentially, is you just have the simplest thing imaginable, which is like a text document, which has maybe on one line it says title, and maybe on that line inside the title you see something like the Joe Rogan experience. Then on the next line in that document there is the description tag, and on the other line, there is a line which says enclosure, which links to just a simple MP3 file which contains the audio of the show. And see, this seems very, very basic, but it's so powerful if people can agree on how to interpret this kind of format. If everyone agrees that this is the format we are going to use to essentially define these kind of shows, it means that anyone who uses that format 
can distribute, distribute that in the same exact way. And the people who want to listen to it can use those same standards to consume that content. So for example, people like Mitch at Podverse can use the standard to make a podcast player that knows how to ingest the Joe Rogan experience back in the old days when it was a podcast or any other podcast that uses those same kind of standards that everyone agrees to. Uh, okay. So that's the, that's the idea behind RSS. It's essentially an open standard. And if everyone agrees on that standard, or at least most parts of it, we can exchange content like media, like audio files in an open way, which gives rise to things like podcasts, which are these audio shows or maybe even video shows yeah. that can be watched on any kind of device or medium that understands that format. If you go to Sirius XM and you try to watch the Howard Stern show, it's a very, very specific format, which is only interpreted that way on that specific website. But if I want to listen to the Lux Freedom podcast, I can go to Podverse, I can go to Fountain, or I can go to any other podcast app because they all understand how to interpret this. Okay. So, Mitch, give us some examples. Great. That's huge, Davidas. Thank you. Mitch, give us some examples of like how, I mean, because RSS has been around for a while. Get, give us some examples of uh, how it's been part of our lives for 25 years. RSS is a, the basis of blogging uh, and also podcasting. The way I like to describe RSS is it's the simplest possible way you can distribute your content to as many apps as possible. Um, it is a standard that's been used. It's simply a text file. Uh, if you know nothing about programming or RSS, you can just open your RSS file. You can see the title of your content. You could see the episode or music track titles. You can see the links to the MP3s. It's actually not very technical at all. You could open it in Microsoft Word if you want to. And it is the basis of how you can distribute media, any kind of media, in a way every app can understand easily. Um, so if you're an independent artist, whether it's a musician or a podcaster, you would, it, it just makes sense. You would want to have, here is my RSS feed. It contains all of my content information. All, any platform, if you want to use it, here it is. You can grab it. And that, frankly, includes the big tech platforms, too, if they want to. If, if you can imagine, like, as an artist, you may have to hop to Spotify and fill out forms and upload this. You may have to go to YouTube. You may have to go to Rumble. You may have yeah. to do all these different platforms. And if they accept RSS, they have all of the data they need. Uh, they could just say, oh, you know, copy paste your RSS URL and we'll just pull it all in for you and handle it, you know, automatically. So if you're a content creator, you want to make it as easy as possible to reach the largest possible audience, an RSS feed is only going to help. Okay. So then, um, and Davidas, you, you briefly touched on Adam. So why don't you talk about, and I'm going to ask Mitch the same question here. Davidas, why don't you tell us like 
what what is the difference between podcasting of five years ago and and podcasting 2.0 now and how you got involved in working with Adam Curry? Of course. So as with any open standard, uh, one of the most important things is how well accepted it is. How many people and companies can you actually convince to use that standard? And RSS has been incredibly successful in that in the span of, let's say, 15 years from the early 2000s when it uh, began to be used for podcasting. But over time, what happened was that the original specification of that standard became a bit too limited for some use cases. So what started to happen is that... The original yeah. RSS. Okay, too limited. Okay. Exactly. Uh, because it is just a standard that you essentially agree on, uh, and you have to operate within those limits if that's something you agree on. And if you feel that there are limits, uh, you can either try to extend that standard to add features to it, or as some commercial entities started doing is maybe invent features that only work on your own platform. So the way podcasting ideally should work is you go to a hosting company like RSS Blue, you upload all your stuff there, and it distributes automatically to all of these podcast players, and they interpret the RSS feed in any way they want. Now, what started to happen is that all of these platforms like Apple and Spotify started adding, you know, their platform specific features, which they felt improved the listener and creator experience. And they often suggested that RSS was limited and it's doomed because you can't really have those features in RSS. Sure, you can't have them in the original specification, but we have ways of extending that specification. Mm -hmm. And podcasting 2.0 is exactly this thing. So Adam Curry was the person who suggested ways of essentially moving forward with podcasting and adding new features to it in a very open way where you don't have to depend on specific platforms uh, to essentially implement those features that only work on those specific platforms. So one of the most important things was this discussion of how do podcasters actually make money? And the proposal that was put forth is this kind of philosophy of value for value. Nice, okay. Which Adam Curry pioneered on his own podcast, No Agenda, over many, many years, where essentially you ask listeners to pay you what they think uh, they get from the content they listen to. Yeah. Because advertising can be very fragile, it can be very unpredictable, and you kind of become dependent on it in a sense that you may often be kind of self-centering yourself just to satisfy the advertisers. 
But with value for value, you're essentially building the strong relationship with your listeners where if they value the thing you produce, they will give that value back to you. Yeah. Now, of course, how do you actually kind of put that into something that is actually practical? How do you put this into a standard? And you essentially need a way for the listeners to pay you directly. And probably the best example of how to do that right now is Bitcoin. Yeah. You can have a relationship where there are no middlemen between you, the creator, and the listener. And if you can use RSS for that, that's perfect. And with technologies like Lightning, which enable essentially instant payments of small amounts of Bitcoin, that's exactly possible. It's, it's incredibly simple in a sense that if you have an RSS feed, what you can do now is you can embed your Lightning address, which is like the recipient of the Bitcoin in that RSS feed, and it's going to be available to everyone to see. And so if... Yeah, yep. so it is so it is so podcasting 2.0 essentially the difference between podcasting 2.0 and traditional podcasting is simply the store of value is simply the the introduction of value for value in bitcoin is that correct? That's one of the major components but it's not the only one. Okay. So it's this component that allows you to receive money directly from the listeners. You can even have things like splits where you share yeah. the value directly with the people you create the content with. So you don't have to have just one recipient that receives the money and then you kind of depend on that person to distribute, distribute the uh, income uh, in a fair way. You can actually just have a sort of contract in the feed which does that for you. Uh, but there are lots of other features uh, in the podcasting 2.0 space that have been introduced, and maybe Mitch can expand on some of these. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Mitch, to take it away. The floor is yours. Sure. Uh, well, zooming out at the highest po possible level, I would call, uh, I would say that podcasting 2.0 is making new features possible in podcasting. Um, now, that may seem confusing because now there is music being introduced. But it turns out that that is as simple as declaring your RSS feed is a music album. Um, it's, it's a very simple change. And it, uh, we haven't seen new features like this uh, for a long time simply because the apps and the RSS hosts couldn't agree upon a standard. They couldn't, they couldn't work things out and figure out, okay, we're going to add live stream support, for example. How are we going to do it? And then they couldn't get consensus because people didn't want to play along and couldn't make it happen. Well, Adam Curry, James Cridland, and Dave Jones have come along and they've led this movement basically of uh, get, gathering all of these different app developers and RSS companies together to agree upon standards. It turns out it's really not that difficult. I mean, it, it is difficult, but uh, the, the solutions are quite simple. And it mostly just needs people to, to work together in a, in a way where they actually want to get the results. And when you rely on the big tech platforms, they don't want to see 
these simple solutions that are cross-platform that can work for anybody. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, podcasting 2.0 and we have m- added many new features as a result of it. There's, uh, as Dovidas explained, there's uh, the, the live value, the, the value functionality so you can send Bitcoin and potentially any kind of currency through uh, the apps you listen on. Um, and then there's also live streams, which is a, a big breakthrough for uh, distribution. Yeah, for sure. So how did how did um, how did each of you get involved with with Adam? I, I mean, it, you, you know, to anybody who dives into this world of value for value and Bitcoin and, and musicians sharing their music via music broadcast, you're you're going to run into Adam, be it day one or hour one or week one. Like sooner or later, you're going to start seeing his name. And for those of for those of us who uh, like me have gray hair, we're like, oh yeah, I know Adam from MTV days, right? Like. So how did you guys uh, get, get involved with them? Um, well, I, uh, I was looking around the year 2000, or no, it was like late 2019. I, I'm an open source developer. I was looking for open source related uh, podcasting opportunities, uh, Podverse. Uh, we want to contribute to more than just Podverse. We want to contribute to the open software ecosystem. And I happened to reach out to James and he tipped me off that there's this new thing coming together called Podcasting 2.0. And he sent me uh, episode one before it was even live. So it was just kind of serendipity that I reached out at this time that Podcasting 2.0 is coming to fruition. And uh, immediately it was like, oh, these are, this is what I've been looking for all these years um, I was working mostly in isolation, you know, just kind of putting together the first drafts of Podverse and, um, but we didn't have any connections or people to collaborate with. So that, yeah, that was the introduction. I was familiar with Adam Curry a bit, uh, through other podcasts and hearing people talk about him. And then I became a listener of his podcast after that. Um, yeah, that's how I got in. Oh, cool. And, uh, Dovidas, how'd you come across Adam how'd you start working with him so I've started RSS Blue in late 2021 because I've always been interested in RSS and I want to try something new and it seemed kind of natural to it seems funny to say it's kind of natural to start a podcast hosting company but at the time it kind of seemed natural uh, and that's what I did uh you know, over the next few months, I've kind of built a prototype of what's the minimum necessary amount to do to essentially be able to host podcasts. And sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I once told my uh, uncle about what I was doing, uh, and he told me about Adam Curry and podcasting 2.0. He says, like, what are you, crazy? You're not doing podcasting 2.0? Uh, <laughs> And it was at that time that I learned about podcasting 2.0. Uh, and, you know, once, once you learn, you, you join podcastindex.social. Uh, you're kind of drawn into all of that. And, yeah, it was kind of very accidental of how I got into podcasting 2.0. Well, one of the things I, that I, you know, it's still early, I think. And what do I know? I've only been in this space for like four or five months. Um, but I, I would call, even though you guys have been working on this for years, you're obviously early adapters. 
and it's still early in the movement overall. And whenever it's early in a movement of any kind, the leaders of that movement tend to be open to having people help and tend to be open to communication, right? I mean, once it goes mainstream, it's going to be hella hard to get in touch with any of the leaders because just because it'll it'll have a life of its own. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I've, I've, one of the things I've really been blown away by is by how welcoming and open the, the entire community is. RSS, podcasting, Noster, every, all the Bitcoiners in this space, like everybody is like, hey man, how can I help learn? Like what, what questions do you have, right? Um, let, let me just go back over one point um, just to kind of clarify it is one of the questions I had for both of you is how did RSS adopt Bitcoin and Lightning as a store of value, as an exchange of value. And it sounds like Adam, like that whole thing was Adam's idea. Is that, is that an oversimplification or is that correct, Mitch? Uh, he specifically is interested in Bitcoin and, and driving it forward. Uh, but the, the reason Bitcoin has emerged as the, the first value uh, transfer, like, option we have is because the Bitcoin developers are far ahead of every other technology in making Bitcoin accessible as an option to be used for this. Um, hypothetically, you could use any financial processor to, to do value transfer, but they don't allow you to. Uh, Bitcoin uh, okay. is created in an you know, open source way and uh, the, the whole purpose of it is to facilitate these types of transfers, especially with the Lightning Network, which has a uh, very low fee, instant, near instant uh, transactions. Uh, that's so, you know, Adam is very personally interested in Bitcoin, but it, bigger than that, it's just the option that works today. It's uh, we have the technology there to do this. Yeah. Govidas, any thoughts on that question? Like, the, the, the origin of, of the merging of RSS and Bitcoin? I agree. I mean, probably the main reason it emerges, the main solution, as Mitch said, is probably because of the ease of how we transfer value using the Lightning Network. You know, if you're not into Bitcoin, that's totally fine. Once you get these Satoshis in your wallet, you can transfer that to fiat the same day if you want to. What Bitcoin and Lightning enables you is this first step, which is this very direct relationship between listeners and yourself, where they don't have to rely on some external financial systems to make this uh, value transfer for you. You can do that directly in the app. And some people might not know that. If you go to Podverse, you can pay creators within that app. You can, for example, stream a certain amount of Satoshis every minute mm -hmm. if you want to, or you can make these one-time payments called boosts, which may also contain messages with them. So I feel that is very important. It's not just that you are transferring money from your wallet to the podcaster's wallet you can also attach you know messages that the hosts read uh and maybe read them during the show you know once you send money once you associate money with the messages you send 
these messages tend to be just higher quality because if yeah. you just allow anyone to send you messages, you know, most of them you are going to ignore. But if someone pays you 100,000 satoshis, maybe that message is quite important. Right. So let me, so for the musicians who are listening, let, let me break it down and explain a little bit more of what Davidas was just saying and also tie in some of the things that both of my guests have mentioned so far with respect to splits. So let's say we're listening to uh, a music broadcast right now and uh, we're, we're listening to Shrooms by Jeff Loud. <clears throat> so while the, that song is playing, um, you as a listener can be like, oh, that's really cool. I love the song. I'm going to send uh, Just Loud uh, a thousand Satoshis. Boom. You boost that song while it's playing. And all of those sat, or 95% of those sats, the overwhelming majority of those sats go to Just Loud as the songwriter. Now, what Davidas uh, and Mitch mentioned earlier is there are ways to split that on the back end. Let's say that Just Loud uh, co-wrote that song, Shrooms, with Joe Martin and Ainsley Costello, and they each uh, have a third ownership in the song. Well, when those 1,000 sats come over, boom, they, they equally get split between uh, those three co-writers. So that, and, and that is instantaneous for all of you musicians who are out there listening. The fact that me and Mitch and Davidas can dig your tunes and send you Bitcoin, you get that instantaneously. You don't get it in six months once the PRO has gone back and checked everything and then send you your your mailbox money. That's point number one. The other point is like if you are listening to the show on like Mitch's app, uh, Podverse, um, th the listener can set it up where, hey, every minute that I'm streaming, that I'm listening to the show, I want to send 10 Satoshis to the host. So while I'm sitting here talking and people are falling asleep at the boredom of my voice, I'm still earning sats because the listeners are sending 10 sats every minute. Um, Mitch, Davidas, is that, did I get that right? Is that a good way of explaining it? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think that's yep. Okay. So um, l l let me move in briefly. I, I, I want to ask you guys about um, Noster, <clears throat> which is um, an open source social media protocol. Let's just call it that. And, you know, as, as a musician, uh, my primary concern is always good is what's good for the musicians, irregardless of the tech. And I understand that there are some differences with RSS and uh, Bitcoin as an exchange of value um, and Noster and Bitcoin as an exchange of value. So I'm wondering if you guys can break down maybe like a high level difference between RSS and uh and Noster and what, what, you know, how musicians need to know the difference because I'm talking to musicians left, right, and center, and they're like, I don't know what the hell to do with Noster. So, M Mitch, I'll give it to you. G give me a high-level difference be between the two. Well, I may not be the best person to explain how Noster works, but to me, they're not really overlapping in what they do and what they can solve. Uh, an RSS feed is simply your data in a feed which can then get pulled into any platform or system. Noster is a distributed decentralized platform and system. So to me, Noster can pull in RSS data and do whatever Noster things it needs to do. I don't really see the divide there, which makes it difficult for me to speak to beyond that. 
Uh, but yeah, RSS is just the simplest way you get your content, make it available for any platform to consume. Uh, maybe Dovidas knows more than I do about specific special features that Nasser can support. Dovidas I probably don't. I'm just going to say that they might be trying to solve similar problems. Uh, and that's a good thing. You know, we probably need different approaches to things. So Nostr, in an ideal world, uh, as I understand, tries to do similar things as RSS, but maybe in a more decentralized way. But of course, as with any kind of decentralization, there are a lot of problems that need to be overcome. Uh, and at this point in time, I guess RSS is just much more mature, both in terms of the support across all kinds of apps and uh, in terms of the features it has. So what RSS and Podcasting 2.0 currently have is this idea of splits that are embedded in the feed. And that's such an important point, I guess, to kind of stress to everyone. Because RSS is about building a trustless relationship. You know, I, I kind of get tired of people saying, oh, we need a new platform. Uh, I'll go to Rumble. I trust the CEO. I trust that guy. You don't need to trust anyone Amen. if you use the right technology. Yeah. You know, and everyone that's, that's has the, their own faults. Yeah, that's the allure of Bitcoin too. It's like, it's the technology, man. Exactly. You know, yeah. what RSS is to information, Bitcoin is to money. You build a system where you don't have to rely on the goodwill of individual people. Yeah. Uh, and if platforms want to adopt RSS, it kind of solves everything. You don't even need to trust them. You don't need to trust the apps. You don't need to trust the hosting companies because if you build a system where you can easily go from one place to another, if you don't like your hosting company or you don't like your podcast app, that's already possible because we rely on these open standards where the information is available for everyone to see. Um, nice. If I could, if I could yeah. add to that. Um, so like a simple way to think of it from a creator's perspective, if let's say you're a video content creator and you've had a thousand videos you've put on YouTube over the years and you get demonetized and now you want to move over to Rumble, well, if you were uploading your content to YouTube with an RSS feed, so all of your content was originally in your RSS feed, YouTube just pulled it in, then when you switch to Rumble, it would be as simple as, okay, Rumble, here's my RSS feed. Go ahead and upload those thousand videos and do whatever Rumble things you need to do. This will also carry over to music. If you share an album online in an RSS feed, and one, it will be available to all the podcasting 2.0 enabled apps that exist today, but you could also tell Spotify or Apple Music or Napster or whoever is around these days, uh, here's my RSS feed. Here's my content. I don't want to go through all of your forms and fill this out and upload this and do all this manual work. I've already created it in a way you can understand. 
here's my RSS feed. Uh, so I think it's just a good like place to center yourself as a creator to have an RSS feed that has all of your content. And if the big tech platforms don't adopt it, well, there's this long tail of all these other apps that will. And I think, frankly, they may adopt it over time if artists are just insist on it and say, hey, I don't want to keep jumping through all these hoops for these different platforms. Here's my content. It's in a standard file. Just take it. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because I think somebody, that there is going to be a musician who is going to go mainstream from this space and it's going to force the hand of the PROs and the, and the record labels and everything like that with respect to not only just Bitcoin sovereignty, but RSS sovereignty. And to a certain extent, Novern, uh, Noster sovereignty as well, because uh, you know, for those for those musicians who are listening, uh, Noster, uh, th- think of Noster as like another social media platform where with RSS, you know, you, you have to be actively engaged and like subscribe to the different shows on Podverse or Fountain or, or wherever. With Noster, <clears throat> if it, think of it like social media and it's all open source. Uh, there's absolutely no censorship. Uh, there's no high garden walls. So you're going to see th- some things on there that you don't, you know, personally uh, agree with, but it's completely censorship free. And as a as an artist or a creator or a musician, um, you know you're going to need to be uh, posting in that space in the same way that you would be posting on Facebook or or TikTok or things of that nature. It's just, but just know that it's um, uh, completely open source. Uh, there's no censorship, uh, and and that has its good and bad points. You know, because maybe as an artist, you don't want to be seen right next to some content that you don't uh, agree with personally, but it is what it is. It's open source and, it, and it's, you know, there's no censorship to it. So, uh, but I'll, I'll do a, a separate show uh, on Nostra. Let's get back over to, um, to RSS here real quick to either one of you. And I guess Davidas, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, where do you see it, see it going uh, with respect to m- music broadcasting? Um, I mean, right, you know, w- just with RSS in, in general, w- w- what's next for it? So I guess it might be useful to the listeners to give a quick overview what's the status quo with regards to music. So you already mentioned that we have this idea of yeah. marking some of these RSS feeds as music, which essentially means that artists can upload their music, their albums, uh, as an RSS feed, and these can be listened on all apps that support this format. And then we have another amazing thing, which is this idea of music shows, where you can imagine this like a music radio show where DJ plays other people's songs. And as you mentioned, when that song plays, you can actually redirect the payments from the listeners to the artist. So that's what we call wallet switching. So that's incredibly exciting, but I feel in the next at least few months, this idea of music in RSS is going to mature because, you know, when we started doing music in podcasting, we kind of tried to fit what has been natural for podcasts and kind of tried to fit that to music. There is some overlap. There is a lot of overlap, in fact, but some of the things are not as naturally mapped from one sp- from one space to another one. For example, 
we have this idea of music singles, mm -hmm. which is probably the dominant way in which artists nowadays release music. Yeah, it's like, it's like the 1950s all over again. Everybody's doing singles. Yeah. And in RSS, we mostly have this idea that there is a set of items that are distributed together. So usually what we do in this music world in RSS, we typically see an RSS feed as a set of songs in an album. But now if most people release music in a form of singles, how do you do that? Do you have a hundred RSS feeds? How do you actually demonstrate to your fans that, oh, I actually own this and that feed? How do you actually make these kind of recommendations on podcast players, on music players, which have to somehow understand that if a listener listens to song A of some artist, they may want to listen to song B. And it isn't as straightforward of these kind of uh, open, in these kind of open standards, because, you know, in theory, anyone could claim to be some artist and claim that the music they upload belongs to that specific artist. So we still have a lot to do in that space to essentially make RSS a lot more natural mm -hmm. for music artists. And it's so, so useful to now have a lot more artists in this space because they actually tell you, you know, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why are we doing it this way? And maybe we should change things. So I feel this space is going to mature a lot more in the next few months. Yeah, Mitch, what, what do you see? What's, what's next for uh, music broadcasting and uh, with respect to podcasting? Well, what's happening right now, which I think is really exciting, is um, people have been calling it music casts. I'm not sure if that term sticks around, but that is what people are calling <laughs> it. And so there's yeah. a show, uh, Adam has the most popular one right now, Adam Curry, the uh, Boostagram Ball. And uh, it's basically bringing back DJing, in, I think, into relevance yeah. and making it interesting again. Uh, so with using... It could be, I say podcast app, but it really can be any app. Using an app, you can listen to Boostagram Ball, and as he plays uh, maybe 10 songs over the course of an hour or so, as that you're listening to that song, you can automatically send value or Bitcoin to that artist. So Adam might take 10% of the value because he's the DJ, and 90% of the value goes to that artist. And then when a new track plays it starts, the app starts streaming value to the new track uh, artist. Um, beyond that, uh, you can, uh, we have a feature in Podverse where if, uh, when a song comes on, you can hit save. There's a heart button for it. Tap my microphone. Um, there's a heart button that you can um, press and it'll automatically save that track to your playlist. So we're trying to, bring that uh, the convenient user experience people are used to in just a music uh, platform, except with this entirely new feature that doesn't exist anywhere else, which is the ability to, uh, uh, to send value uh, you know, to different tracks over the course of a broadcast. Yeah. Um, and, and I think this, uh, 
this creates a new paradigm and a, like there it's more interesting to me to hear music that's recommended from a DJ I like and I've lacked that in my life <laughs> since the 90s basically uh mm-hmm. DJs have disappeared completely and been replaced by robots literally <laughs> yeah I grew up listening to KBCO 97.3 out of Boulder um and they're one of the best independent uh, stations in the country like you know they'd go from like Lyle Lovett to Counting Crows to um, Crowded House to Blues Traveler. Like they just span the gamut, you know? Uh, you know, then you go to like from Melissa Etheridge to Spin Doctors. And it, you know, and it was based upon uh, the, uh, the, the DJ's music preference and the, and the musical director's music preference, not what corporate is handing down and telling Ryan Seacrest he has to play on iHeartRadio. You know, it's the, the, the industry has become so homogenized um, that you don't have that personal recommendation anymore, you know. Um, and a, another point that I'll bring up that I've mentioned several times on different podcasts <clears throat> is that I, I'm fully convinced there's a band in the UK, there's a band in Michigan, that has recorded the next White Album, the next Led Zeppelin IV. And we'll never hear it, you know, because because there's so much noise out there and there's no, you know, r- radio is dying. So hopefully this can, hopefully this can bring, you know, help help bring this back. I mean, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of poor quality artists out there, you know, because there's no barrier to entry into this industry. Um, but there's also a lot of amazing stuff out there, man. Like, I mean, I, I say Michigan because there's a band up there called Touch the Clouds that I absolutely love, and I'm trying to bring this in, trying to bring them into this space. Uh, I say UK because there's a band out of uh, East London, South and Sea called The Crusted. They are, they're like Coldplay and U2 from 20 years ago, and these kids are just freaking awesome, and I'm trying to bring them into the space. But uh, I digress. I could talk, I could talk about that for hours. <laughs> if I could add to that, um. I've been shocked by the quality of music that's already available uh, with podcasting 2.0. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, there's over like 1,500 artists or something and just stumbling through things I've found really high quality. And this paradigm helps artists who may have smaller audiences. And uh, we break down the economics of it. Let's say you are on Spotify and uh, the, the estimates I've seen online is that they pay 0.003 cents per listen. If you're lucky, without if, splits. Right, without splits. Yeah, they don't do any of the, that great stuff. But if, so if you have 5,000 listens, that might be pretty good for your reach as an artist, but you'll get paid nothing, basically. With uh, value for value and podcasting 2.0, People typically set the amount they send per listen much higher than 0.003 cents. So if you have a smaller but more engaged audience, people who love your music and want to support you directly, you'll get a much higher value per listen with the value for value model than anything these big tech platforms can offer artists who have smaller audiences. Yeah, amen. I mean... uh uh, a thousand true that that's the business model of a thousand true fans mm-hmm. right i mean <clears throat> you got a thousand true fans and they all contribute on a yearly basis to help you make 80 to 100 grand a year damn that's that that's a good living mm-hmm. that's a good living 
you know um mitch you guys um i i, I love your app man uh and you guys seem to be leading the space and by the way i i love rss blue too All right don't don't take that person <laughs> <laughs> Davi das is the host for this uh you know his company is the hosting platform for the show but uh, we rely yeah. on each other so yeah we work together yeah you guys seem to be leading the pack bud mitch um you know i know you guys are are behind the scenes on testing these uh the live streams coming up for the shows in um minneapolis uh with ainsley costello and just loud um so how um how are you guys uh approaching de development on your app like what what's next for you guys well um relentlessly working on it is part of the the secret just uh, no shortcuts i just work on it constantly um i actually quit my day job a couple months ago i'm living on savings this is not paying for itself yet um so yeah uh I'm constantly working on it, but we've also, as an open source project, we have many contributors at this point, and 2.0 has helped us get in touch with a lot of people. I mean, just some names I could throw out. Uh, Brian is our other co-founder. Um, Stephen B., yeah. Alex Gates, uh, Stephen Crater, uh, Archie. Uh, he has helped rebuild our whole infrastructure uh, and many more contributors. So we're, we're open source. We're a collaboration. Some people just love the fact that that's you know we offer that and there aren't many options believe it or not that have as many features as we do mm -hmm. in the podcasting and music space um yeah, and as for where the future is going uh, we have uh many <laughs> you know it changes from week to week uh to be honest as as we you know new things are possible in 2.0 uh there's the focus for the near term is uh, uh structural improvements so we can scale up which may not be very exciting for, uh, you know, not something, a feature you can really touch. But um, we uh, want to iron out our uh, live experience. Uh, also improve the video experience is a big one. We, we have video working on web and mobile, but there are, if you use it, you'll see it's like, you may want there some to smooth out the experience a bit, but it will work. Yeah. Um, Dovidas, <clears throat> I, I, I want to talk to you about licensing really quick. Um, you know, I know you and I have had a lot of conversations behind the scenes about licensing for um, musicians in this space. And Mitch, we'll get to you on this one as well. But what, what concerns do you have about um, music licensing in this space? I guess I'm afraid that, you know, it might be too late when something bad happens in the space for us to kind of adopt some of these things. So I think we have to think about licensing in advance. Uh, at the moment, although there is a standard, for example, for including licenses in RSS feeds, it's not widely supported. And again, uh, in the case of the law, there probably has to be a precedent of how these things are essentially interpreted. You know, just because you put a certain string in your RSS feed, does that automatically make it obvious to everyone what you actually mean by that? Does that apply to the text document? Does that apply to the audio files within that RSS feed and so on? So I think we really need to think very hard about how to actually use licensing in this specific case 
of any kind of audio, really, in RSS feeds, which, in theory, uh, ideally, can be distributed very widely across all of these apps. For the start, we probably want to start with something simple with things like Creative Commons licenses, which mm -hmm. would permit the use of, let's say, music in the most open way, uh, and they would be the easiest to essentially interpret for all the parties. But then next, a lot of artists might actually want maybe slightly more restrictive licenses. For example, they might only want to allow to play their music only on apps that actually support things like value for value. This mm -hmm. idea that you can pay exchange directly of, from the app. Yeah, the exchange of value, yeah. Exactly, because if your app doesn't support this, these direct payments, there is a lot less value for the artist. It might only be just this idea of, you know, spreading your music and maybe uh, gaining additional followers, but that's already what Spotify and other platforms do. Mm -hmm. So maybe artists want to tell the platforms, the apps that consume their content, that they should have a minimum set of requirements, minimum set of features that they should support before ingesting their feeds. Yeah, Mitch, what are, you, what, what are your thoughts on, on uh, licensing in this space and the challenges of it? Well, the, if you're putting your music in an RSS feed these days, uh, there is, at least in the United States, laws differ all across the world, so licensing is a very complicated question. But uh, there's an implicit agreement that if you are sharing your content in an open way in an RSS feed, that apps can consume it. And if it turns out there is some sort of copyright violation, then it is on those apps to act in a responsible and prompt way to remove that content. That's just the way DMCA strikes work, as I understand. Um, so in the case of Podverse, you know, we're only interested, we want to comply with U.S. law. We're not so radical that we're trying to defy, you know, the whole <laughs> institution. As Anarchy! <laughs> That would probably uh, be expensive and distract us from making uh, technological progress. Uh, but uh, yeah, at this point, it's not a problem we've encountered. Uh, if we do encounter it, if, if, for example, a DJ is playing music that is not licensed and we're, you know, receive a takedown notice, we'll, we'll look into it and we'll have to remove it. But yeah. th this is uh, especially good uh, at this juncture for people who are independent artists who don't, you know, if you want to put your music on out and you want it to reach the largest possible audience in the simplest way, uh, RSS is, is the way to go with that. Um, where there is that exchange for value, right? Like if, I, if I'm playing Just Loud at Joe Martin or Amber Sweeney on the Phantom Power Music Hour, the, the exchange of value, the opportunity for exchange of value exists because it's being played on Podverse and you have the opportunity to boost that artist directly. Now, let's say the Phantom Power Music Hour is being played at the Kroger supermarket right down the street while Davidas is running around getting his groceries, but there's no way for, for, to have that exchange of value. Um, that might, <clears throat> excuse me, that might be a loophole 
in that, right? Because as we get to more radio shows, if the Phantom Power Music Hour becomes the Casey Kasem top 100, you know, popularity, mm -hmm. you know, then that might be an issue there of like if if stores or commercial places are and i see you both nodding your head stores or, or commercial places broadcast that show but there's no way to to uh, to have that exchange of value in a commercial setting well that goes exactly to what Dovi das is saying about how yeah. there are ways to we could just embed uh license you know uh tags in an rss feed and that declares right what your terms are as an artist. If you want it to be played in grocery stores without value enabled, there could be a license for that. If you only want it in value enabled, uh, there could be a license for that. Now, whether people comply or not, that, that becomes a legal matter at a later stage. But in yeah. our case, we're just going to play all the content we're licensed to be able to play. Yeah, and I don't know if the Creative Commons license works in that regard. I mean, I've dove through them and I, and I might be mistaken but it looks like some of them are non-revocable right like i mean if if Ainsley costello were to to put a uh creative commons non-revocable license on cherry on top um you know she can't ever take it back you know i mean you guys are both nodding your head so i'm assuming i'm correct i don't actually that, so. know don't ask you <laughs> if you're nodding yes. your head it's a yes the it's the same as with most code, you know, once okay. you attach a license to code or, you know, any kind of form of content, the content at that point in time, whether that would be code or music, can be distributed under the terms of that license, unless it's specifically, unless the license specifically states that, you know, the terms can actually be changed in the future. So if what the artist once is more control over their music, Creative Commons is probably not the way to go and we need something different. And that's going to be very important because, you know, uh, the music, you know, if the artists do get paid at all, large part of it actually comes from their music, their music be being played in public places. Uh, so yeah. we definitely don't want them to lose that money. Let me ask you guys too. I mean, as we, I mean, you, thank you guys for taking the time out of the day. I mean, Mitch, I know this is pretty much quote unquote your lunch hour and COVID you should probably be eating dinner <laughs> right amount now. So I appreciate you two fellas for coming on and joining. Um, I, I have never been more excited for independent musicians than I am now because of Bitcoin and value for value and podcasts. Um, I think it's just, it's, it, we're going to see the, the golden age of music come back again. You know, I mean, that's a terrible, I, I should edit that because that's really poorly explained, but I think we're going to see another golden age of music soon uh, because of all of this. Um, as we wrap this up, what, like, Mitch, if you had two minutes with a band and you were going to try and pitch them on, guys, you got to get your stuff in Bitcoin and value for value and RSS podcast. If you had two minutes, what would you tell this band? I would tell them it's the easiest way for you to distribute your content everywhere. It gives you a home base. Your RSS feed is the, you can upload it potentially to any other platform. 
It's a way you can own that home base for your music. And that there is, it's, it's another uh, way to connect with your audience, not only to bring in money through value for value, but to bring it in in a way that has like a direct human connection attached to it. The fact that you can send messages with your money uh, to artists introduces an element. There's a human connection there. And it's something, it's not just a comment that some random bot could leave. It's, you know, there's some value attached to it. So, you know, it's real. Um, I think it can build closeness with your audience and also expand your reach as an artist. Yeah, for sure. Dovidas, if you had two minutes with a band and you're like, guys, you got to do this, man. What's your pitch, dude? What, what do you got? Yeah, if I had two minutes, I would just call Mitch and ask him to explain things. <laughs> uh, but seriously, I would probably just uh, stress this point of not having to trust any kind of uh, platform or any kind of person for you to be able to make money. If you go into this RSS world where you can distribute content in an open way, where you can tell in your feed how you want to be paid, you don't really have to trust anyone. Because as long as there are apps like Podverse, Fountain, Podcast Guru, which actually use these standards, you don't have to trust that someone is not going to pay you. Because you know that if you have listeners that love your music, you will get that value back. Yeah, lovely, lovely. I mean, you, you, you kind of let the market decide, you know? Exactly. I mean, if, this, if the songs aren't great, People aren't gonna pitch in, but man, if you got something to say and it speaks from the heart and it and it connects with people, it's this is a great opportunity to make a side income. That's what I'm telling everybody. Like, don't, you know, I, I I'm not telling you to to not deal in Spotify. I'm not telling you to avoid TikTok and all this other stuff. Like, just add this into your business plan. You, as an independent musician, whether you like it or not, you are a small business owner, and this you need to incorporate uh, putting your music up into the RSS world as part of your business plan because it will create a side revenue for you. Now, what you do with that Bitcoin is up to you. It could like just start and it could change your life in 20 years or if you want to go out and buy a piano, go buy a piano. But um, you should do this, as I tell people, do this to create an additional revenue stream Number one and number two, you are going to find a boatload of fans out there that you never knew you had because you'd be an early adopter, and this space is dying for great music. That's my that's my pitch. Yeah, and being an early adopter will have its own benefits here because, uh, like I said, there's over a thousand artists that are sharing their music right now. But you could also say there's only thousand, and you can stand out more by being early. And uh, we're already, there's, I don't know how many music casts there are. There's like close to 10 or something. People are creating them quickly. Like this just mm-hmm. emerged in the past couple of months. Mm-hmm. And it, they're looking for con- uh, music to feature. And they're going to do the legwork of promoting it on social media. You know, if they like yeah. the song, they're going to help reach the audience. And 
You know, you're not going to find that on the radio for the vast majority of musicians, if anybody's even listening to the radio, or you may not get the benefits of the Spotify algorithm and their paid promotions and however content gets in there. Uh, so by being an early adopter here, that will have benefits as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I will tell you that for all you musicians who are listening about getting your music in here, I have two music broadcasts that I do. Uh, Phantom Power Review, where I kind of dive into the, the theory and the composition of the songs, and I talk about why I like them. And and then I do a top 10 show where I take 10 songs and I, and I put them up. Now, uh, two things. Number one, I'm dying for quality music. Like, I'm out there scouring Wave Lake and Ellen Beats and everything else every day looking for songs that speak to me, and I can't find them. That is why I have not been putting my shows out in a consistent basis, those two music shows. But that will happen in time because more and more people are are coming into the space. And the other thing that I will say is that um, myself and all these other uh, V4V jockeys, as we call ourselves, um, we're all talking to each other in Telegram on the back end. And we're all like, who's got new tunes? Who's got new tunes? Right? Like mm -hmm. Sir Libre out of Tacoma, he does a kick-ass metal show. Um, he's always looking for metal. And if one of, if one of us runs across um, a, a metal act, we, we send it over to him. Like we're all talking to each other behind the scenes to help each other out, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know where I was going with that originally. Well, it's exciting. <laughs> I mean, this is, this, it, it, it uh, you know, we're, yeah. it shows our age maybe, but it reminds me of the days of people who were passing around cassette tapes and CDs. Yeah, man. You know, it's like you, you curating music for each other is, is becoming like relevant again. It's not just autoplay, Spotify algorithm or whatever. It's, right. you know, putting a human element into it. That's right. That's a good way of thinking of it, Mitch. This is like, this is like uh, doing a mixtape for your girl for that girl you had a crush on, right? Yeah. Damn. It's, you could send money. Yeah. In the Damn, that's a good idea. There's a show there, Dolby Dot. Somewhere there's a show there, like mixtape, uh, mixtape for your girlfriend or something like that, right? Like there's a show there. There's a. That's funny because me and my buddies did that all the time. Or like when you had a crush on a girl, you'd make a. You'd make a CD for it or a tape for it or something. So, all right, that's I'm now I'm showing my age. Hell, I'm older than you guys. Um, all right, well, listen, thank you guys so much for joining. Is, is there anything else you guys want to add about uh, about RSS or podcasting 2.0 or your time with Adam or anything like that? Anything else you guys want to throw in? I'll just say, I, I mean, I'm hooked on it. I love it. It's it's awesome. There's such a supportive community. It's very exciting. Uh, if anybody's interested, uh, the uh, there's podcastindex.social where you can pretty much reach everybody that's active yeah. in the community. Um, everybody's supportive. There's just, if you have questions, go there and somebody will answer it. Uh, feel free to tag myself at Mitch uh, on that platform if you're not getting a reply. Um, yeah, and uh, check out Podverse. It's, uh, it's a good app, man. It's on all the all the platforms. Yep. Dover Dots, what you got? Anything else? Yeah, I'll just repeat that this community is just amazing in how helpful it is. So always feel free to essentially drop us a message if you have any questions. If you want, you can email info at rsesblue.com. 
with any questions you have, even if you don't want to host at the RSS Blue, I'm always happy just to talk to you to explain what's this music business in RSS is all about and what's the best way for you to either upload your own music or to host your own music show. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. And, um, and I'll just reiterate again, just how welcoming the, com the uh, community is. And, um, we're all here. We're all here to help each other out and push the ball forward. And it's going to be an exciting couple of years. And, uh, ho hopefully I'll get a chance to see you uh, both, uh, in person, uh, next year. So looking forward to it. So absolutely love to. All right. Thanks guys. Appreciate your help on this. Have a, have a great afternoon. All right. You too. Thanks. Jim. Thank you. So there you have it. There's two really smart dudes, huh? Davidas from uh, RSS Blue and Mitch from Podverse. Um, can't thank them enough for coming on board and helping me out with this discussion today. Davidas has just been amazing behind the scenes. Uh, I pepper that dude with so many questions and he just breaks it down beautifully every time. Uh, and M Mitch, that was actually the first time that I had uh, spoken to Mitch in person, but he has been uh, instrumental in uh, helping out all of these developers and, and everybody behind the scenes, making sure that this lightning-enabled, Bitcoin-enabled, value-for-value uh, event that is happening in Minneapolis uh, next week is going to go off without a hitch. So. Thanks to both of those fellas for jumping in on the conversation today and teaching us all about RSS. And I would encourage any musician that was listening to this, uh, you know, scroll back because uh, their contact information is going to pop up on your uh, phone on the app. Reach out to those guys. They'll get back to you. They'll answer your questions. They're, they're good dudes. Uh, just about everybody in this space that I've reached out to has... Uh, gotten back to me um, this is a great community of people and they want to see more musicians in it and more importantly they want to see us succeed because the more musicians that we bring into this space the more bitcoin uh, adoption we're going to have and the better it's going to be for all these musicians out there so thank you guys very much for listening uh looking forward to uh, the next business hour podcast it'll probably be a couple weeks uh you know after i get through uh, the holidays uh but we'll be uh, uh bringing up some noster folks and we'll be looking for some more uh, industry professionals to answer the questions that are burning in the hearts of musicians around the country so cool cool Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to smile for the mugshot. See ya. <laughs>